on today's episode of Strike Gold. We have Josh Levin with us from Zappos talking about how to create a company culture that drives growth. Hi, you're listening to Strike Gold with Jonathan Kahn and Roy Provarchik. And today we have a special, special, special guest, Josh Levine. You're Josh? Because, because Jonathan meant, like, was able to mention your name without fucking it up. Oh. So that's why. <laughs> that's true, but also you're in a totally different continent and this is all happening right now in a very different way than we usually do our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. Thanks again. I want to take a moment and appreciate and, and ask... Uh, what's the what's the setup where each one of you is right now at? Jonathan, well, okay. like, where am I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll let Josh go first because mine's really embarrassing. <laughs> Currently, uh, I am at Zappos headquarters in Las Vegas, Nevada. Although it's not as sunny as I expect it to be, it's actually been pretty cold and snowy. So, uh, you know, not too great all over here. Roy, <laughs> this is you now. Roy, where are you? Oh, I'm just at home, chilling. That's all. Okay, so I am hiding in one of our bigger bathrooms. <laughs> I know it sounds, it might sound bad, but there's no place to hide from Netflix and my kids. <laughs> <laughs> like my wife was like, can I watch Netflix? I'm like, no. <laughs> She's like, so what do you expect me to do? And I'm like, I don't know. What do we used to do before these things? I don't know. Read a book. Uh, <laughs> and my kids, I literally just put them in bed. And I was like, guys, this podcast going on. <laughs> my son's like, when is it ending? I'm like, I don't know, an hour? <laughs> like, Fine. Fine. I'll give you an hour, dad. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, now that Roy got that out of the way. Yeah, I, just, I, I was just looking for a way to for you to mention that story because I knew it. You know why? You know why he's doing it? Because the first one, the first time we tried to do this when we set this up, I he he all of a sudden told me, "Oh, we I actually messed up the dates and in my calendar it said we were supposed to do it last week." And then I sent I had my wife take a picture of me sitting in the bathroom with all the equipment, microphone, and everything that I have here, and just take a picture of me sad face. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if, if you ever want to ruin your the relationship with your co-host, uh, get a picture of him sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's way to ruin yeah. like a good dynamic with a friend. Anything uh, that is Yeah, yeah. So, 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 just you know what? Just to be fair, uh, so I've set up this uh, small quality audio space in my house, which is basically in a tent. I, I like the house is not in the tent. The recording spot is in the tent. Roy lives in a tent. That's what he's trying to let everyone know right now. <laughs> Guys, marketing doesn't pay. That's what we learned from this lesson. <laughs> ROI on a tent. That's right. So okay, so now that we made sure that everybody who were interested in the episode description <laughs> has left because it's been three minutes and we've been discussing uh, setups. So Josh, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, uh, thank you guys. Really excited to be here. So uh, before we go and we talk about this awesome place you work at and the awesome things you do, uh, let's talk about your awesome background. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. 
So uh, I'm a native New Yorker, recent Ohio State grad, and now I work for Zappos.com, uh, which is a service company that just happens to sell shoes. We're based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, and I'm in brand marketing, and I have a pretty unique role here. Uh, I'm excited to be working uh, on behalf of our uh, Zappos Insights team, where we market our culture externally. We get to run uh, different events to basically help grow other companies from small startups to nonprofits to large companies uh, to grow their culture organically, to help them find out what they are passionate about, what they identify with, and their core values. Um, and then I also work uh, on behalf of our awareness team. So I get to do some really cool projects for our brand marketing initiatives on behalf of the company. Uh, we work with some really cool brands as well. And, uh, you know, I've had some pretty different experiences over the past. I've worked uh, for startups. I actually worked for an Israeli startup called Bizabo, uh, who I still have a lot of love for. They're wonderful. Um, and I've worked in video games. And now I am in the retail space and I couldn't be happier. I want to I wanna ask you something because you said something interesting. I uh, sure. said uh, we are a service company that happens to sell shoes. Uh That's that's an interesting phrase. Can you can you please like uh, explain a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've recognized, you know, just like there are global brands like Virgin, right? How they have different verticals. How there's Virgin Mobile um, and there's Virgin Airlines. You know, they provide yeah. service, and we see Zappos as a service company. We're here to help our customers get the best service and the best experience possible, no matter what it is. So we started, you know, as a very small drop shipping model. Um, shoe site. Um, and now we are here at um, a much larger company where um, we sell shoes, we sell apparel, but we also, you know, work in different verticals. We have a sponsorship for a theater here in Las Vegas, um, where our goal is still to provide the best, you know, experience. While that doesn't necessarily have to do with selling shoes, we're still providing service to our customers. Um, and we're never going to limit or, you know, rule out a certain industry because there's so many different innovative and new ideas that are coming up every day that we love to be at the forefront of that industry um, as it comes to service and providing service no matter what it is. Okay. And from what I understood, you are basically, uh, I don't say advocating, but evangelizing maybe like the uh, the, comp the unique company culture and approach to Zappos had, right? Because Zappos like was originally well, like got to be well known for a very uh, specific or very unique customer support or, or customer approach might be more accurate, right? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, our company culture and customer service goes hand in hand, too. Everything that we do stems from our core values. Um, so when we are hiring, um, we're always going to be hiring based on our core values. We want people that we feel not only, you know, fit in with our culture, but contribute to it and add unique perspectives. Um, and, Since our, you know, since our inception, since we've become this, you know, new, weird, and I use weird in the best way possible company, um, we've been able to grow very organically because of the core values by sticking to them. So everyone in the company represents those core values. They own them in their day-to-day -day lives as well. And we use the company culture, the people that are speaking to our external customers um, in the way that we want to represent. So if someone, you know, has a really great customer experience, if someone's on a call, right, And they have an unbelievable experience with um, one of our CLT members, our customer loyalty team members. Um, they're going to be passionate about our company. They're going to become advocates for the company. 
And not only are they going to want to come back, but they use that word of mouth, which we believe in very strongly, to to advocate for us. So not only do we have customers, we have these evangelists, like you were saying, these loyal members that want to be here, that want to come back, that want to be part of that experience. So, okay, that's first of all, I love that idea because I think like the way the world is going is more and more user-centric, customer-centric. Um, and I think, you know, I think it'd be interesting. What, what would you define as make like a customer experience extraordinary or, or, you know, what, what makes the customer, what, what makes the customer experience become something that is like beyond the standard, uh, above the average, something that gets people to say like, wow, I just had like this amazing experience. Sure. Um, so I guess a really good example of that is that um, all of our CLT members don't have specific um, like call times that they need to hit, right? So every single person that hops onto a call, let's say you know you want to return a pair of shoes to Zappos, and you called in, and in the first five minutes, all of your needs are taken care of. You return the shoes, you've gotten the prepaid label already, and now you're done, right? And now where do you go from there? All of our CLT members are willing and have been you know, chatting with these customers until they see fit. We've had customer service calls that have gone on for over 10 hours just because people have you know, become really good friends with these customers and they build these personal connections with every single customer they have. Um, you know, a goal that we're looking to hit on every customer service call is having a personal emotional connection with all the people. Because when you have those personal connections, when you feel like you've had a moment, even if it's just because between a customer and a CLT member, you feel like you've become part of a movement, you've become part of something that's bigger than yourself. So when you connect with a customer, then that's when they become those advocates for you. Um, And when you're saying, you know, what is that thing that makes it special? I think it's each unique interaction that you have with them. So whether it's a touch point on social media and, you know, maybe you tweet out something like you're super passionate about a pair of sneakers, right? You know, we're going to be answering you and it's going to be something personalized because we want you to feel like you're part of this family because every customer, you know, then becomes one. How would that's, that's, Wait, can I, can yeah. I just want to like, okay, so because... For me, I, I, I think we, a lot of people, well, a lot of our listeners and marketers, um, like know where we should be going with customers. No one really takes, no company turns around and takes the, the chance to really let a conversation go too far because of just fear of losing money. But what I'm, what I'm kind of interested in knowing would be also how are things working? You know, like, again, for me, I come from the marketing aspect of, of coming up with creative and ideas for campaigns. I kind of would like to understand how do you engage? How do you take an idea? What, who does it go to? Like in a normal company, if you were an employee who had a good idea, forget someone in marketing. Let's say you just want to employee had a good idea. Maybe you talk to someone in marketing. That person in marketing would have to talk to the creative director if he believed in it. The creative director would then have to go to the CMO and have an understanding with the CMO if this is something that we can push. And then, you know, after all this decision making by people who really have a lot of pressure on them, then we get to see if this idea, this marketing idea or, or whatever type of idea could keep, get pushed forward within the company. Um, how do things like that work in Zappos? Do, like how, if you now have an idea, how does that move forward? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and to the point I can show why we're, we're different is because, you know, you were saying if you had an idea, you would bring it to the creative director who would then bring it to the CMO. And there's a, a very clear path and there's a very clear structure to how that works. In Zappos, 
um, there's nothing that's a clear path or a set structure in place because um, they're trying to foster that entrepreneurial mindset in every single employee. So for me, someone who's a recent grad, um, I have the ability to make a project come to life just as much as someone who's been at this company for over 10 or 15 years. And that's by using any of the resources that we have. We have a really unique structure called Holacracy, um, which basically says that there's no managers in the company. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't structure and there isn't point people. We have things called lead links, uh, which are basically our point people who I would go to with certain you know questions, how my performance is doing and stuff like that. But if there was a project that you're really passionate about um, we have online sites where you can find out who would be responsible for um, those specific you know, parts of the company. So let's say you need a graphic designer or you need a UX designer or you just need someone from legal to look, look, look over your agreement or anything. I have the ability to email anyone from our CEO um, to anyone on our CLT members um, to get a project going. So essentially, right. it's on me to find out who the necessary partners and stakeholders would need to be on that project, reach out, and then I would be the one generating it because I would be the one owning the project. It wouldn't really go higher. So th- so there's two basic things that I got from what you just said. One is that in some way you become a project manager. Absolutely. Or a director. So you, like, you take full ownership of it to the point where you're pushing it through all the different channels, taking it because what you listed is the UX, uh, the UX designer and the uh, and whoever else, like these, you would need a lot. You would need a lot of people to get an idea to really go through. You'd need a designer, a copywriter, a UX person. It, you would need a PPC, whatever. You'd need to get in touch with a lot of different departments to move something forward. So you kind of become the project manager at that point. Absolutely, I can even give you a really good example about that too. Um, so I was in. Um, I you know recently rejoined Zappos uh, about nine months ago. I was here as an intern and decided to come back full time. And um, we used to do a thing called a culture book where we would show all of the um, really cool and weird stuff that was going on inside our company. And it was for the employees. It would almost be like a yearbook where we would have these like unique stories, what would make us different. And we would do this pretty consistently. And it was something that, you know, as my role on, on Zappos Insights that I was looking to, to re-bring back because um, I thought it was pretty um, substantial as part of our culture, that in addition to being a really great lead gen tool. Um, so I wanted to bring that back. So I brought that to my boss, Krista, boss, lead link, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, we started talking about this book and then she goes, I think that's a great idea. There's this actual, this other project that we're looking to bring out that came from Tony, that came from Tyler. It's a book about experimentation and how, you know, experimenting inside of a company, even if it doesn't work out for you is valuable and should be, um, you know, taking pride in essentially. Um, so that organic conversation of doing this culture book then came out to this book that we're now titling. So it turns out that, um, and this book then, you know, was never on my radar. It was either something I knew about really. So I came to Krista with this. She's like, we want this book to get done. We want you to run it. And since then we've started this, um, this book process that is now six months down the line and coming out in another, you know, five, six months or so. And that project would never have taken hold. That was something that was on their back burner um, for a few years that they just never really had anyone to own. And by approaching Krista with an idea like this, it led to something else. It led to something that they didn't realize they needed until it came up. Um, so having those organic conversations, having those, um, having that ability in a culture to let you approach someone without having fear of it turned down is really important here and has led to other marketing projects. 
Okay, so now I have now, okay, so from the other one, I had two questions. One of them we didn't even get to, and now I have an extra one. So, <laughs> uh, so okay, so now we're talking about you go to a person and they have their own time management. A designer in a, in a studio in an office or a startup uh, has a lot of stuff to do. Um, who kind of, like, I'm guessing they're in charge of their own time schedule, but how do they decide which project to start working on? I mean, there's probably many, many people with ideas who turn around and say, oh, I want to do something. And they just go out to the designer and say, hey, let's do this. Like, there must be some sort of, uh, in, in Israel, they call it a gun. I actually don't know what it would be called, like a timeline, a time framing device that lets you see who's working on what, when. And then it kind of also connects to the second, the, the third question at this point that I also have, which is, there's a there's a lot of problems, and I've actually been working with the one startup who's addressing this, and I've worked with a couple other ones who are thinking of doing it. And the concept is, is how do you, when you have such a big company and so much stuff going on and so many different people, how do you create that internal knowledge base, right? So she, your your boss said, hey, go to these two guys had the same idea, and or this guy had the same idea. Let's move it forward. How did she have that information? That's a, those are both like, fantastic questions. know about what's going on? Yeah, so um, kind of actually one and the same. So in terms of like time and how, you know, how we basically allot that, that's on each individual employee to know themselves, to know their own bandwidth. Um, but for example, like let's say I wanted to find uh, different people, different stakeholders that I wanted to bring onto my project. We have an internal tool that we use that we can see all of the different circles in Zappos. Circles are what we call teams, basically. Um, so let's say there's a circle in you know tech that is specifically responsible for creating landing pages. I would find on this site, I would go to that circle, I would see all the different people in roles that are in that circle. And then like, let's say, you know, let's say you, Roy, are um, a UX designer and I need you to create a landing page. I can click into your profile. I can see all of your responsibilities, all the things that you're basically accountable for. Um, and I can reach out to you directly. And that goes for every single person in this company has a, their own profile with all their responsibilities, all the circles that they're responsible for. Um, and for the time question, you know, it, again, it's up to bandwidth. So I uh, transparency is really um, yeah, but if someone has to be doing doing the prioritization of these ideas. Like, this is a good idea. This is a less good idea. Right. I'm not saying um, that you know it's great to test everything, but at the same time, no one can test everything. Totally. So I think it's like you were saying. You know how everyone becomes a project manager. So for me. Uh, I could have 15 ideas, but I'm only going to run with three of them because I think those are going to take priority. And, and I always do that. There's always too many ideas to run with. I'm sure you guys can can attest to that. There's yeah. always an amazing amount of ideas and different avenues that you can market through. Um, but so it would be up to the project manager. It would be up to me, the person who's accountable for those specific projects. Yeah, but, that, but then you go yeah. to a designer and that designer now has to do the same thing. But that means that in some way, when you have an idea... It has to be good enough. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I think this is actually a phenomenal thing. But mm -hmm. it, I'm wondering, this is something that you're seeing in the culture, which is that if you have an idea and you really think it's going to work, you need to be so sure that you can convince every other person that you need from the other teams that this is a good thing to do and it's a priority. Which, again, would be an amazing tactic. But like the designer now has a list of things and you just walked over saying your idea for the book, let's say. And, and now the designer in some way needs to decide you know, do I put this in here? Do I move this over? Like they're the project manager of themselves in some way, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, again, like it's, it's up to each person to know how much space 
is you know available for themselves because all it really takes is is one yes at Zappos. All it takes is one person to say this is something that I'm passionate about. This is something I want to run with, and I need people to join me. And if someone, you know, again, transparency is everything that we live and breathe here. If there's someone that says, I just don't have the time for it, that's totally fine. Um, you can find other people inside the company to help you run with it. Um, and also, people will tell you if they feel like this isn't the best avenue um, for reaching out. That People will be honest with you and say, you know, this is a great uh, mentality. This is something that's awesome, but maybe have you looked at it in this way? And another thing that we really take pride in here is having yes and mentalities. So basically saying, instead of saying, no, this isn't why a specific project can work, when you approach someone, they can say, yes, and here's something also you can do with it. So it's having that positive mentality, being able to uplift people rather than bring them down also helps move these projects forward. I think, I think what Jonathan was, was trying to ask, and I'm also like not 100% sure I got it, because eventually, let's, let's say that you have uh, five people doing what you do, five designers, five developers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, each one of you basically is able to come up with an idea and then try to tap into other people's, uh, I'll, I'll call it like tap into their attention because they can say yes, no, uh, whatever, but you have to kind of get their attention and then you have to pitch like your idea and you kind of have to recruit the team that wants to, uh, that kind of wants to uh, execute their, your idea. Now, you have to get them, you have to convince them that this is a priority, basically. And, yeah, and, yeah. and again, this is just something I'm trying to understand of if this is what's happening in the office there. I'm not, I, we've actually spoken with several people that part of the methodology that they use or the process that they use for ideas, whether it would be feature based, like we spoke with um, Amir Shrab, um, or is to, is to talk to a team full of individuals who are all part of the project or will need to be a part of the project and convince them that this is the best idea that we should be doing. And if everyone buys in, then of course they drive their priorities to the, to the idea they believe in. So I'm like, I'm just trying, that's I think what I'm trying to understand. Because right. you know, how people prioritize your projects over others, you mean? Yeah, how, how does that person, that designer turn around? Do you have to convince that designer? And this is, again, not a bad thing. I think it's a great idea, a great thing to mm-hmm. think, hey, I know you have this and this and this on your plate, but this idea is gonna have a massive impact or this is going to have a huge conversion, or this is going to be amazing for our customers, right? And if you can convince him that this is actually a priority over the other projects, that, that at that point they move it up because they believe in your idea. That's what yeah. I'm trying to understand. Totally, totally. I understand what you're saying. Um, I think that goes to personal biases and trust, right? So if I'm working with um, a technical designer that I've had a lot of rapport with over the last you know, two, three years, and I've done a lot of projects with them, how much trust does he or she have in me um, that this is something that we should be running with? How much trust does he have that we're going to be running with this kind of project? Um, but also, it's on the responsibility of each employee to communicate you know what they're passionate about, what they feel like they should be running with, and what you know their skills should take. And like, you know, quality isn't something that should be lessened based on, you know, one project or another, you know, you shouldn't be putting certain quality into one project versus other. We're a networked organization. We are an organization that wants to each other's teams and circles to succeed. And I think that in and of itself provides a platform for employees to do quality work for each other, because obviously there's all, you know, everyone has bandwidth issues. Eventually everyone's going to be running out of time eventually. And then it's just going to be onto each employee to say, I want to prioritize 
X project over Y project because I believe in it. But regardless, the quality won't lack in either of them. I think it's just a personal passion. So, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to ask something from like a more. So, for example, in in, uh, in our company, like in my company in Stardom, so we have like a lot of great people. They come with great ideas. Uh, they know how to execute really well on from the most generic to the most bizarre ideas very creative but eventually and i think this is this is where jonathan and i get a little bit baffled here so eventually like the company can hold x amount of projects uh making sure they are all align uh with a specific goal the company has or or vision the company has for its product for its services etc how do you how do you manage to create a situation where you don't can have um a havoc of like a lot of projects that a lot of maybe smart people, good people do maybe even like all the projects are great. How do you, number one, don't like uh, make sure you don't even in, in an environment of uh, poaching. I'll explain in a second. And number two, mm-hmm. how, how do you, how do you keep every project or all the projects eventually aligned uh, moving forward and not just kind of scattering around? So for the poaching part, I'll explain um, let's say you've convinced a developer, a design, it sounds like a joke. Like, so a developer, a UX designer and, uh, uh, and a marketer go into a project. Um, so you convince them to join the project. They're keen on doing <laughs> I've heard this joke before. Yeah. Uh, so like they're keen on doing the project. You just ask them now, two weeks go by three weeks. I don't know. Uh, a month goes, goes by. They're working. Everybody's happy. Then somebody else comes up with an amazing idea. He sits down with them. They don't they don't have the bandwidth for this, but they're excited about his idea as well. Now, um, today, ever for example, say like, okay, wait, I was working with you on your idea, but just heard a better idea, and I'm gonna go there. Or that's not like, that's like the poaching thing. Like, does that happen? Um, you know, I can only speak from my experiences, but no, I would say not, you know, since we are, um, an organization that wants each other circle to succeed, it's never going to be a competitive nature, um, in the sense that we're looking to do better than others. It's going to be in the competitive nature that everything is like lived and breathed through the core values that we're looking to promote. So, um, for example, one of our core values is be humble. Um, so in every project that you're looking to create, you're being humble about it um, in terms of the times that in terms of the ways that you're communicating with others, in terms of the ways that you're like doing this project. So you would never, you know, like you were saying, poaching, you would never go to someone's circle and be like, I need to work on this project over others. Um, again, it would be a bandwidth issue. It would just be, how can I best assist you? How can I best support you? So if I don't have the bandwidth, here is this other amazing UX designer. Here is this other amazing person that can get the same things that you're looking to do, get done. Or maybe you just start shifting around responsibilities. So maybe it's like, okay, I don't know if I have this time. So maybe I'll split the responsibilities with someone else. How can we collaborate together to make this project okay. go forward? Okay. So basically it's, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. sorry. Right. You go. I was going to say that basically it's, we have an ecosystem here in Zappos. Um, that's the best way to look at it. It's an ecosystem. Think of a giant circle, right? And we have all these amazing, talented people in this giant circle. And I have an idea, right, that I want to move forward. Then I become the project manager. 
from there, you know, where do I look to? Who do I look to and who do I trust, you know, that I think would run with this project best? I start reaching out to people and finding my stakeholders. And that's, you know, where it starts to grow organically. Because then you meet one person who knows two people and two people then know four people. And all of a sudden you have a team supporting you on this project. Even if it's only, you know, an hour or two of their time a month, it still is a team supporting you that even if it's only my project, I have people that I feel like right. will help me run this project to the best way it should. Okay. So, so going to the second thing is, so let's say you have 10 people in your position. I don't like or people who can initiate a project, right? In terms of mm-hmm. uh, um, going forward or in terms of progressing as a company, how do you make sure you don't get into a position where like, if there's 10 people like you, you said you can run three different projects. How do they, how do you, what's the process for, keeping everything at bay that you don't have 30 projects right now, each one going to other directions uh, or maybe going everything to the same direction, but scattering around instead of like pushing forward more focusedly. If focus is a way. Sure. No, I, guess, I guess the simplest way of asking this is who has, who does the prioritization? That's the word I was looking for. Uh, I had to build it. Um, but who's, who's doing that on projects? Sorry, it cut out. What was the last word? Motivation. No, no, prioritization. Oh my God, who's deciding on the prioritization? That's the word I built it again uh, of the projects. That's it. That's gotcha. the easiest way of asking. I think. Sure. So, um, with holacracy, basically shows that there are certain accountabilities, right? So, there's a hierarchy of, of work where people have certain accountabilities and what they're responsible for. So, like for me, it would be you know um, marketing efforts on behalf of Zappos Insights, and however that may you know people see fit. So, each employee has their own accountabilities, and it's on them to own it to say, "I feel like this should be a priority for our company," right? So, for okay, example, I get it now. Yeah, for example, I work for Zappos Insights, which is, you know, the small section inside of Zappos. And um, when I came on to the role, what they basically explained to me is, you know, we're doing really great. We're really successful. What I want you to do as a growth marketer is have that gravy on top. What can we do to move it forward growing, right? So we already... sprinkled, but I Exactly. (laughs) Because I like like mine. Mine is, I'm also sprinkles. I'm usually the creative sprinkles. So then it kind of makes me feel a little better. Gravy seems sticky and, and, <laughs> and heavy. Yeah, but I'm savory. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> um, basically, it's like we, we're already running search engine, right? We're already running paid search. It's like where, where are their opportunities? Where is their growth? And that, where is that that we're looking to find that niche, that pocket that we're not already running in? Um, so, for example, like we're looking to do a lot more content, um, organic content, lead gen content, things like that. Um, we're also looking to bring on affiliates. And that's an easy way to grow sales if you have people that align with your market. Um, but again, it's on each employee to feel responsible for their accountabilities and to prioritize what they feel is best. Because um, if anything, what we call our C-suite leaders, we call them monkey row. Um, all the monkeys basically communicate to us is that they trust all their employees to make the best decisions based on our core values. And as long as you're doing that, they're trusting your you know your guidance core, and what your core values core values and whatever you've been as, as, like like whatever role they gave you basically whatever Absolutely. your kpis are because that's what it sounds like it's just, these are my kpis these are the things i'm supposed to touch and do and then you say in the end of the month someone might ask me i don't i get maybe not in your office but generally someone's going to ask me hey what have you done to get closer to the kpis that we set 
And then just I know that I I've done I've taken the right steps I made the right decisions to move that forward. Absolutely, and there's ways to be accountable to that as well too. We have you know we have meetings all the time with the rest of our circle members to make sure we're being accountable for accountabilities. We have check-in rounds to make sure everyone's doing all right with things that they feel like they're performing well on, maybe not, and they need some more support. So um, while it's not a traditional structure where you know. Um, I have a manager and my manager has a manager. Um, there are still ways to keep accountable to the rest of your team members and to the greater company. Awesome. No, no, so I I'll, I'll, All right, I'm, so I'm actually interested. You, Jonathan, yeah, do you want to ask something, Jonathan? No, no, please, please go, go. Okay. Because I want to, I want to use this for, for, uh, let's keep the niceties in the podcast, please. <laughs> also, I yeah. noticed by the way that well, I, I being the person who sent out that. the link, Roy, I can mute you whenever I want, apparently. I don't know if you know that, but I can literally, there's a button here. I'm tickling it with my cursor and I'm like, oh, Roy, what'd you say? I'm sorry. We didn't hear you. Continue. (laughs) You saying that, that's like the two last minutes of like Avengers Infinity War for me. That's (laughs) like, like, they're they're all going to turn to ash. No. And then it's like, oh, muted. That's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and, and everybody in the movie podcast will be here to see if I come back or how do, how do they bring me back from the movie yeah that's what that's how it's going to be I'm going to snap my fingers and then I hit mute yeah and then very come back anyway um, nobody knows uh, so I actually wanted to play with this because you said like uh, as part of the growth team and it's, I think it's very interesting um, at least for, like for me how how do you uh, approach finding growth opportunities at a company such as Zappos? Sure. Um, Well, I would say it's a little bit in my roles, in my personal experience, it depends on the team. So for Zappos Insights, we are only, you know, nine or 10 people. We see ourselves as a startup and we'll always see ourselves as having that startup mentality, right? So what is that minimum viable product that we can look for? Mm -hmm. Um, Where are these, you know, you know, these growth hacks that we're looking for, the least amount of cost for the highest amount of impact. Um, And and then as it comes to brand awareness, everything stems from the market, right? So everything stems from who we're looking to target and how we're looking to target them. So if we're working with a boot company, it could be a little bit different than if we're working with a sandal company, right? So you, everything is natural falls from the people that you're looking for, how much, like what their price point is, what is that initial, um, action that you're looking for them to take, how um, how heavy of an action is that you're looking to take? Is it a click, a simple click to action? Is it a simple web form? Um, or is it something more? So it really depends in terms of growth opportunity. It really depends on who you're looking to communicate with, um, obviously what the budget is, and and how much of an impact you're looking to make. Okay, cool. So you, you said at the beginning that part of your role is basically going to different startups, other companies, and bring uh, Zappos culture into that company as a growth engine, basically, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell me? Wait, is that how it is really? Because I understood it as you do different discussions or different meetups to kind of explain more about the culture so people can adapt it. So I'm just trying to understand, is it more of like you, you go into a company and help them adapt into this new culture or like, what, what is it? Um, So we, uh, it's a bit of both. So we're looking to help companies grow as they see fit in their organic style. So we would never want someone to own 
Zappos culture and try to adapt it to their own because it might not work. But what we're looking to do is, and we run, you know, these three day culture camps, we run these one day customer service experiences where they can run, learn to run their own customer service department. They can learn to develop their own core values from their employees. What do their companies identify with? What are they passionate about and how that can organically grow? Um, we also do offsite trainings though, too. So we will help do, you know, trainings, um, so we'll do a, like a specifically a thing called a frontline training where we'll go to a company and train the frontline of their customer service representatives, you know? Um, and you know, if you guys are interested in more about what those camp descriptions are like, um, you can go to zapposinsights.com Um, and we have all the descriptions of what those are. Um, and then we also have, you know, keynote speaking opportunities. So we'll bring people offsite to educate, but everything uh, you know, stems from education and and development. So we'll you know tailor all of these learnings that we've had from our twenty years as a company um, to help you grow, whether you're one person or a thousand. I'd like to take this moment just to applaud the people who actually do this change because I just from the people that I know who run companies, it's very hard for them to to try to create their own, and even and even if if they might want to. It's hard for them to get out of that structure that they've been used to seeing in, you know, culture and the way companies are built for a very, very long time. So that sounds easy, interesting, not easy. That sounds interesting as hell. Um, and like, great. Like, yeah, in Hebrew, it's kola kavod. In English, it's like, I guess, uh, kudos to them. Absolutely. That's really impressive. Yeah, definitely kola kavod. I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing at all. Um, what I would say is, what culture seems like it's always been there, right? So if you look at Zappos, it seems like, oh, that culture must have always been there, right? But when we developed our core values, we sent out surveys uh, basically to the employees of like, what do you identify with? You know, So each employee had a voice in developing this company culture. This isn't something that was you know, from the top down where it's like the CEO and the CMO are like, all right, number 10 core value is be humble. You know, eventually someone had to say, yes, this is it. But that came directly from the employees themselves. We, you know, sent out a survey and we basically uh, congregated all of these things, these responses that they said. And this is what gave us the 10 core values that we now live and breathe and make all of our decisions, both short and long term from. So you're right. Call a vote. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but when you find those things that each of your employees can identify with, then they not only become evangelists for the brand, but they become evangelists uh, for the services that you're looking to to run. They're the ones speaking with the employees, you know, just as I'm speaking with you guys right now. Um, and they'll be able to say in the same manner that, you know, this is our organic company culture. And while it may not work for you, there is something that can. So, uh, no, it's, it's really cool, especially Royce talked about several times the whole idea of how companies work nowadays is they, they trickle down. And what you've just stated now is kind of this process where the, the company is defined, defined trickled up, which is mm -hmm. like a really, really cool concept. I mean, it really, the, the CMOs, the CEOs, and the, the people at the C-level are really defining the culture of the company, the way things are done. And, uh, you know, from the many companies I've worked with, it, it never seems like it's something that everyone agrees with. And there are a lot of people left out at that point who are working, doing what they need to do, but they're not, I guess they're missing part of that passion. And I think what you just stated is, is more, that's cool. It's the, it's the people who, who work in the company that kind of define 
what the company culture is in the end. So I, I absolutely, Roy, any, I, I want to hear like your thoughts at this point. Yeah. So I'm, so the initial thing that I have in mind because I'm thinking about uh, employees. I'm thinking like for me, for me, that's always like the biggest struggle because you want to balance between like uh, having your employees being heard and giving them like the Giving, giving them the, the freedom to kind of be themselves and bring their own values and beliefs into the company and help that shape the work because eventually what your employees do is what actually shapes your company, right? Like not your, like the decision-making is nice, but the, the people making the calls, talking to other people, doing the work, these are the people who eventually create your, your real brand, uh, which is the one that matters. So um, how do you balance between like asking everybody, hey, What's your values to being able to do something or to have everybody aligned around or or like set up your core values and getting everybody to be aligned around them? Uh, Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, There's there's definitely a difference between, you know, having a shared culture and bringing your unique personality to work. Um, And that's something that I feel like we've done pretty well. Uh, So while we do have these shared culture, what we do actually and something that might be unique um, for your listeners to hear is, so we have an onboarding process that is standardized and structured for every single employee in the company. So from our, um, CEO, CMO, CFO, they all go through the exact same onboarding process, which is a month long, um, just as I did. And just as all of our CLT members went through as well. Um, so everyone goes through the exact same process of learning about our history, learning about our core values, learning about holacracy and learning, you know, where our, our company has been and where we're going in the future. Um, but not only that, it's also encouraged to bring your unique personality to work. Um, so our third core value is uh, create fun and a little weirdness. So each employee is encouraged to decorate their desk however they see fit. Um, so every single desk in this company is different and unique and represents the individual employee that owns it. Um, that on top of there's no dress code, you know, just like the startup mentality, which I think is becoming a lot more popularized because people recognize that when you're comfortable and when you're happy at work, you're doing some of your best work. Um, so there's no dress code. We have, we've had people come in taco costumes on Tuesdays for taco Tuesday. We have people come in bathing suits and flip flops. And we also have people, you know, come in bow ties sometime. Um, I I think for me and Roy, for me and Roy, it might be, it's kind of like, less shocking because I think that's every Israeli uh, in the workplace. People like come in flip-flops and I used to, I Roy actually laughed at me that I go to all my meetings in the summer with shorts and flip-flops. That's amazing. And yeah, because it doesn't really matter here. And the decoration of the desk is something everyone kind of does, but it's interesting because in in the American culture, I think it's very different. So they kind of turn around and go, wow, I get to be unique. I get to be me at work. And here, I think we just take it for granted yeah. in some way. <laughs> you know, I think we, we have a lot that we can learn from Israeli companies. So it's great to hear that, too. I, th- I think in Israel... Roy, you were trying to say something? Yeah, because I think, I think there's a small... There's, well, not a small. There's a big difference. Because I think that when you, when you foster the be yourself or bring yourself or kind of bring your creativity to work, uh, that's one thing. And then having your desk decorated and celebrated, that's one thing. And that's what I think uh, Josh is actually saying about Zappos. Well, in Israel, the mentality is, dude, I don't care. 
no, like the idea is that, that you can you can decorate your your desk, you can do whatever you want because the truth is that your CEO usually doesn't care as long as you do the work. They look at it, they go past your desk. I don't think they I don't think they look at people's desk and even think of it as if they're like, oh, this means something about this person. Uh, so think- no, no, of course not. I just I think it's kind of funny that <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that we we in some way we take it for granted. There must have been a shift where in Israeli culture, just like in American culture, people came to work and they weren't allowed to. There was a dress code and things didn't exist. But in, for us, we I guess yeah, we just don't care. We just do what we want. We? <laughs> I, I, also- I mean, so thing is, uh, you guys, you guys have been at the forefront of that idea that. You know, like you were saying, I don't care. Like it doesn't matter because all that matters is um, you're happy at work and you're doing the the work that's expected uh, of you think, in, in think, quality. I mean, I don't, that's here, here's the thing. I don't think that there's what you're describing is is culture and agenda. What I think in Israel usually what happens is, and there's a reason why I said like I just don't care is because they don't see like I don't think they see this as a manifestation of someone's like personality, and I just think as if it's like something that. Uh, your have like it sounds mean or awful, right? But like I, I'm trying to say this in the most well, not positive, beautiful <laughs> way. I guess is that it's kind of like, dude, like I just like mind your business. I don't care what you do at your desk. Just get the work done. I don't think it's about. I hope you're happy here as much as as much as like I don't wanna uh, like like I don't wanna deal with each everybody's person issues. Um, that's fair. Uh, I, I think I think it's a bad. It's I think it's a bad. Thing no, I, I think that I, I think that there are like I, I don't want to be you know mean or anything because there are we just have a different thing that we need to do to make sure employees feel that we're not we're not we want you to feel comfortable. So there's a thing at Wix that they do which is absolutely amazing, and I didn't really understand it until I went out of Wix. But there was this thing that they do where. Here in Israel, no matter if you're in a startup or something, you have to kind of check in. You have to come, like, put your finger. It does a timestamp, and you have to timestamp out. It's kind of part of the law. So even a massive startup that's very cool culture still has to produce that kind of report. And one of the things that Wix does is they do this thing that when you swipe in, like when you open the door the first time, that's it. It automatically gives you the full eight hours of the day. And they're trying to basically say, you know, just go do your thing. As long as you're doing your thing, you can do whatever else you want. You can even go home. You can be with your family, whatever it is you want to do. And it's like this amazing thing that they're doing. So we don't necessarily have a table and stuff, but there are startups that are doing things to make sure their employees feel happy. And the basic thing is like just to check the box. I, that's what I feel. I, I, I don't feel that it's like a whole, like a fully negative thing. I just think that we don't the desk thing and the dress code is not something that really changes in our culture. I mean, we go to weddings in jeans sometimes. Yeah. I remember when I, when I started out, uh, I think my first, my first few consulting gigs. So I would kind of dress up. I was very young. Like I started my first, I started my first business when I was like 19. And the fact Roy, you still dress up. What are you wearing right now? A bathroom? <laughs> You didn't have to wear the bathrobe. You could have just worn sweatpants and did the podcast. <laughs> I love the fact that when you, when you that you imagine me walking in a bathrobe in my house. No, I'm saying you dressed up. You were like, "Oh, we're doing a podcast. I'm going to put on my, my satin or silk." That's, that's weird. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to feel awkward about my bathrobe. Great, um, you can pull it off. Anyway, uh, so no, but what? Um, 
Uh, the, so I, so when I started out, so my first business was, uh, I started a record label when I was 19. And then I had a digital agency for musicians when I was about 21. And I sold my hat. I just want to also point out that Roy, just as an American culture thing, there's lots of kids who are 19 starting a, their own record label. <laughs> They're also starting their own band at 16. So it's that not that impressive. To them. <laughs> but here in Israel, it's quite it's impressive. ROI positive. <laughs> That's the celebration. Uh, okay. Okay. When there you go. Sorry. When I so when I like uh, so when I when I moved to working with startups, so I was like very young uh, in Israel. Again, like in Israel, I think that most people like go like finish the military at around age twenty one. They only like get into work or like being part of like the working like the mature working environment at around like twenty five. I guess twenty four, twenty five. Because they still have to go to university and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So like, so like, it's easily well, unless you're doing like something like uh, your Intel in the uh, yeah, you're some sort of computer army, division yeah, or developer in the army. You usually go into like, the business world around the 25, 26, and I was like 22, and I I was I would always kind of dress up. I would be like a button-up shirt, and I would be like like I would imagine a grown-up person going to work. And I remember, I think it was the first time I came to visit. Or offer from SimilarWeb, and I don't know if it was him or I don't remember which startup it actually was. But I come up and I'm like buttoned up and I'm like dressed sharp and like the other guy who's like way more successful from like than me than as a person, right? And he's like in shorts, t-shirt, looks at me as if like, what the hell? Like, like why are you? Why are you? You don't need all that if you're successful. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah, but uh, and like at, at like the first year or the first six months, I would try and go sharp to meetings, and then once I got this actual feedback from a CEO, again he was like he was not like a, he was successful. It was a young company, but he came up to me and said, "Listen, I have to tell you that every time you come here dressed like this, then it kind of makes everybody feel like you're uh, patronizing them." And I was like, "What? This is like a button shirt." And he was like, yeah, but... And, said, Roy, you'll be surprised to know that some people went up to the taco from uh, and said, to the taco from from, uh, from their office in Taco Tuesday and said, you know, you're patronizing yeah. everyone. All <laughs> <laughs> um, um, right, we went really into this whole dress code thing. Yeah. Uh, no, but can I ask, uh, interesting, so I'm, I'm sure, you know, as being very innovative, like office culture and stuff, I'm sure that there are things that you that you guys come up with a new thing, a new thing that can be adapted and that might help you know further the the, the culture, the the company. When if there is something like that, how do you test that? Do you actually run a huge like? And I'm asking this because one of the, the I don't remember his name because I'm horrible, and as you know from the podcast, names is not my strong thing. Uh, <laughs> but um, but there was a guy on TED who I absolutely loved. It was a, a CEO of a rocket fuel company. And what he would do is whenever he had an idea, he would go out and test it in the company. So he had an idea to test out if, uh, if people could have that uh, a day off a week. And he called it the, uh, what do you call it when someone's return? No, no. Like the, when someone gets bad Fire? news that they're going to die. What? Where you get fired? Like a sabbatical? No. Like you, it, he, oh God. he calls it his, his day of like, you know, a day off to kind of do the things he would do if he found out he was going to die. Bucket what? list? Yeah, let's go with bucket list. I'll stick with that. Bucket oh, list is day, like right? an day. And he turned around when and he you, said, when you, Like when you do your errands. 
No, that's not Aaron. No, wait, what? <laughs> Aaron Day. If I find out I'm going to die, I'm not going to do any errands. I think I'm going to pass. Anyways, terminally uh, ill day. That's it. He called it. I'm going to edit this whole thing out because it's called the terminally ill day. That's what it was called. Terminally ill day was a day that people could choose to take an extra day off of work and give 10% of their paycheck back to the company. So every week they would have one day off that they could go do whatever they were going to do. And he tested this out in the company. He thought that older people would sign up. It turned out that majority of the people, the younger people in the office signed up for this day off to give 10% of their paycheck back or 5%. And because Roy said, what? And I don't want to freak him out. 5%. And then they get this one day off a week. And then he tested another thing. He was like, I want, to, I want everyone to be able to see their salary. So he created a, a, and decide their own salary. So he created a device. They had a very simple algorithm to understand if your salary made sense or if it made sense for you to contact HR. And he did all these different tests within his company. Oh, again, but this one that I think relates to you guys the most is that he did this thing where people could, uh, everyone fills a survey or, yeah, survey on their bosses, on their managers. And basically, if a manager was not delivering to his team the leadership and the, and the qualities needed, and they were not feeling that this is someone they would actually follow, then that manager was either, you know, let go or moved to a different position. So there was this whole like company culture and all of it was tests, tests that he just wanted to run and try. So what I was asking, I'm sorry, before that whole huge spiel was basically, um, if there is something that you guys decide to test as a cultural like test, office culture test, does, does that happen? How does it happen? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would say that tests are happening uh, pretty much every single day. Um, people are trying new things um, pretty much every single day. I uh, where there's people are there's you know a team inside of Zappos responsible just for doing surveys, just like sending out surveys to see you know what things could work, what things wouldn't work. Um, there's also, you know, rooms all over. Actually, this is a really in, uh, interesting point is all of our conference rooms are uniquely themed. So the current one that I'm sitting in right now, um, has sports jerseys all over the walls of people in, cause I'm on the, I'm in the finance department right now of, um, of people that were in the finance department that have left in the past. So it's kind of like, oh, wow. here before that's, you, that's it's, a, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like people have names on the jerseys. It's it's super super cool, um, and there's also uh, yeah, I can a- actually give you um, uh, another example of things that we're testing right now in Metro One, which is our main floor on the bottom floor of the of the headquarters. We're doing this like open seating platform, um, you know, the classic startup mentality um, with open seating, and there are people that now um, they're going to be going into individual rooms. Um, so let's say my team, the awareness team, and then like a different team, uh, like what our news team is that runs our blog, we'll each have our own separate room. Instead of being in this one open space, we'll have individual rooms that they can design however they want. They can have people you know, work in the environment that they should want. Um, and what this is doing is it's opening us um, a space to have co-working in Metro One. So we're going to have different people from outside of Zappos come and work at Zappos on initiatives that you know may or may not be aligned with what you know stuff that we're doing. Um, but it's allowing them to co-work and and use the resources that we have built up here. 
Um, so that's like a kind of unique test that we're doing. And if it works, great. If not, then, you know, that's totally fine too. As I was saying before, experimentation is something that we're always doing inside of Zappos. Whether it works or not is never going to be the measure of long-term success, right? Because just because something is successful in the short term doesn't mean it would be in the long term. Um, and just because something didn't work out doesn't mean it wasn't worth the experiment. So honestly, we're doing new things every single day. I come to work every single day and I hear about something new. And that's what makes it exciting to be here, I think. Uh, it's something that, you know, when I was here as an intern two years ago, it's already different than it is right now. Um, and, you know, I would say always for the better, always moving forward. Do you guys use internal marketing to have these things come out? Like, is there a, 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 like an email, a newsletter or something that's going out? Yeah. So um, we're a company of about 1,500 people. Um, half of them are our CLT. Um, but we have different communications. So we have um, this thing called Grand Central, which is a like a, an online website with all the announcements for people to understand like what's going on around the company. We also have this really funny thing uh, in all of our bathrooms. It's called the Wiz, W-H-I-Z-Z. And it's basically like above all the urinals and next to all the toilets with just like announcements going on every week. Um, so that's super unique because like, let's be honest, everyone when they're at work goes to the bathroom, right? So everyone's going to see that. <laughs> so so it's honestly just where you can connect with the people you're looking to con communicate with, and that's where they found it to be successful. Well, then, well, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Really <laughs> holds it in, but majority yeah. of people, I think, go I love it if, like, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. I love it, like that you have a big conference, and like this one guy doesn't show up, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, he has like bathroom issues. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, going he places. How do you know? He never goes to any event. Uh, <laughs> he always just reads it in the back. Yeah, like everybody, everybody comes in like on a on a student tie fun day, and he's like the only one in shorts, and everybody's looking at him as like, "Oh, you didn't go yesterday, didn't you?" <laughs> um, so I want I want to ask a question because like our like I see that our time is uh, is coming to a close. Um, okay, so you guys ultra focused about company culture and and the way it impacts. Uh, the company, the, the company's DNA and retentions. So, what would you recommend? Okay, how would you recommend uh, a new company, let's say a young company, start thinking about its culture and DNA, and how, like, how would you start in, in like in fostering that? How would you build up like the the ideas, and how would you? What would be the first thing you do to to kind of get the culture aspect of the of the company to really be effective or or kind of get more people involved? Sure. Um, that's a really good question. I would say, you know, when you're looking from the ground up, no matter how many people you have, you have to look internally before you can look externally. So you have to look, and let's say you only have three people in your company, right? So let's say, you know, John, Roy, and I, you know, we're all going to start a company, right? What are the values that we all have in common that we share that we love to bring to work every single day what are those common values where are those commonalities and how are we going to grow from that so obviously you're going to have your mission and your vision right so where the company is going but i urge people to find these common shared values because these are the things that when you feel like your company is lost that are going to guide your long-term decision makings so you know, if there's certain things that you feel like you identify with in a company, but it just doesn't feel right, you know, if there's a project that you're looking to expand in or a message that you're looking to communicate, but it just doesn't seem like it's in the right style, 
always look back to those core values. How are you communicating to your external customers? So by looking internal first, what you guys all find in, in common, that's how you can then start connecting with your, with your consumers outside because they'll look to you and they'll look to see what you guys are doing inside and they'll basically say, how can we be a part of that? How can I join that family? Um, and we feel like that's, you know, having these core values, which guide all of our recruiting efforts, all of our long-term and short-term decisions, all of our marketing projects, and all of our communications with our customers. Those are the things that are educating our growth. Amazing. Uh, Jonathan, do you have any questions before we, before we go? Uh, I just want to state something. Uh, I, I, I want to have like one of these moments, everyone turn off the lights, spotlight on me for a second. <clears throat> uh, no, I just want to say that it's it's quite after everything that's been said here. I think that it's it's quite amazing, and I think that um, that uh, there are many different companies. You know, even the cool Israeli startup culture is still very much looking for a way for innovation to float up, for great ideas to be heard, and, and for people to push things forward. And um, knowing the way that most companies are structured, it's it's really difficult, and it seems to be, in my opinion. Again, as the for the rogue creative person, um, it's uh, it's not working. Something doesn't make sense. I feel like right now we're just using the same model we had many many years ago. Maybe we allow people to wear flip flops or or do things on their desk, but it's not working, and it's not enough to just do that. And we really need to push forward to allow for a new way of uh, a new a new way of having cult- company culture and how, having the people define what the company is from the bottom up. So it's been really, really, really cool hearing what you guys are doing there. I appreciate that. And I think not only, I I agree with that, but I think not only that, that we um, as a company, we're always looking to grow too. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from from companies like you guys and and Israeli companies like Wix and Fiverr and and Lemonade. And there's so many companies that I feel like um, in the style that Israeli companies run that we and the rest of American companies can really look to you guys as a shining example um, and just, you know, the city of Tel Aviv is so forward thinking and innovation in general, um, that if you guys are looking for inspiration, I mean, just look down your own streets and there's so many people working on incredible things every day. Well, I feel like, I, I don't feel like I'm the real behalf of Tel Aviv person to say, but thank you. <laughs> I think Roy would be more. Yeah, but, we're a part uh, of it. culture. Yeah, we're, we're all a part of it, but yeah, yeah. I think Roy's living there. I'm actually a little bit further away than I live in Robert Gunn. But yeah, I mean, Roy, Roy said thank you as Tel Aviv. Uh, uh, thank you. I just got a- <laughs> <laughs> you get you will receive the keys to Zappo. <laughs> um, thank all right. you so much for wow. Uh, I also Roy, do you, I feel like usually we say like uh, you know we'd like to thank our sponsors that we're sitting and recording at Rise, but. Now I'm sitting recording in my bag. Yeah, so. I um I, I wanna thank the tent that I'm in. Uh. <laughs> thank you. It's a great co-working space at Roy's house in this little tent. Yeah. Um, all right, Josh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wait, um, Josh, wait. Listener. I wanna. I wanna. I, before we go. Oh, you have your little summer. No, it's not a summer. No. Uh, <laughs> No, if I don't cry from this, Roy, it's not worth There's saying. There's the listeners at home or at the cars or at the gym or wherever you are listening or to podcasts. The uh, then, because they've been listening to the three of us, but there were actually more people on this call. Oh, it's true that Josh has hit uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's been kidnapped. <laughs> no, he hasn't been kidnapped. He's been kidnapped. Uh, 
I just some company. But, uh, do, do you want to do? Do you want to do a shout out to your colleague sitting next to you? Uh, sure. I guess a uh, shout out to Joanna and Lexi, and then also shout out to Shelly for connecting me with both mm-hmm. of you guys to uh, to bring me to this podcast. I was excited to to be able to be a part of it. We just did this so we can tag everybody in the Twitter post, and then like uh, we get more. <laughs> Look, everybody's doing growth hacking right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for being with us, and I think it's been like a very special episode because one thing that Israeli companies never really nail is the company. I would I would say like customer care in a way and, and being in a, in a culture of like customer centric is not something that most Israeli companies do at all. So this was like really enlightening for us and, and then thinking about this way. So uh, thanks so much and everybody at, at, at home or wherever you are, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, listen, uh, review, uh, subscribe, uh, share with you. Listen, <laughs> listen a couple of times. Yeah. Send to a friend. Make sure your grandma hears it. Um, and uh, thank you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Bye, man. Bye.